The podcast about everything is an Hour of the Wolf studio production. Hi, this is Michael Allison. Welcome to the podcast about everything. Millions of dollars would be spent on LSD research at universities throughout the country. And word would begin to spread on campus about this so-called mind-blowing drug. And suddenly, it was the counterculture of the 60s. I give the CIA a total credit for sponsoring and initiating the entire consciousness movement, counterculture events of the 1960s. Dr. Timothy Leary, the 1960s Johnny Appleseed of LSD. The CIA funded and supported and uh, encouraged hundreds of young psychiatrists to experiment with this drug. The fallout from that was that the young psychologists began taking it themselves, discovering that it was an intelligence-enhancing, consciousness-raising experience. That was, of course, Timothy Leary from a uh, documentary about him and his research into LSD. Recently, Jay Settlemeyer of the Project Skeptic podcast asked me to come on and talk about a subject, and I proceeded to bring up Discordianism and shenanigans ensued. Here's that podcast. Welcome into another installment of Project Skeptic. We are full swing with the craziness that goes on around here, as most of you guys know. Like most weeks, we have some sort of topic to talk about, you know, that's how podcasts work in the, you know, in the new age. Usually when I'm approached with a topic, um, I have some sort of idea about it. But when Michael Allison from the podcast about everything dropped this topic on me, I was lost. I was clueless. I was Googling. Never seen it. Never heard it. So what do I normally do? I dive down a rabbit hole and try try, oh try, to put the pieces together. Then I thought, well, hell, with all that, why not just have Michael on the show? So welcome, Michael Allison. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. I know we talk a lot back and forth, but this is great to finally have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I hope so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, uh, so what do you want to talk about today? Uh, apparently you've had a nice buildup to this. So uh, what are strange, we talking about? Strange and unusual. That's okay. the, usually the topic at hand. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So uh, first off, let's banter. What's, uh, what is your show all about? Well, much like the title, it's about everything. And that way I have nice broad parameters. Uh, we talk about, well, here's what's coming up. We're going to be talking about werewolves from a criminological standpoint. Nice. Werewolves as criminals. Uh, We're going to review pretty much every doomsday prediction that's ever been made about the end of the world, which, interestingly, they really accelerate when you get towards the 20th century. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Surprise. Anyway, um, and in the past, we've talked about movies. Uh, a group of us sat down and analyzed in with great depth the um, 
Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. We've, <laughs> nice. we've, we've talked about, we talk a lot about folklore because that's uh, something that I like and something I actually give lectures on. And, um, you know, pretty much any topic. Uh, I've talked to a rabbi friend of mine about the, uh, the, the blood libel uh, and its current iterations. Uh, we've talked about we've talked about current history you know a little bit of everything that's awesome so you you definitely have a broad um you have a broad spectrum of things that you can actually talk about when you have a podcast about everything right yeah exactly hence, <laughs> hence the title <laughs> so what was what is one of, i know you you liked um you like the legends kind of like we do around sure. here what what's your uh What's your go-to legend? Like, I have conversations with people all the time, and I'm like, do you guys ever heard of, you know, insert legend here? Yeah. You know, what is your favorite to just uh, question? I I like questioning people about stuff, so. Sure. Well, um, I I like folklore, so I'm really interested in the storytelling aspects of these stories and how they change. Because folklore does change. When cultures come together, you know, often they clash, but sometimes they meld, and the stories they bring with them, though sometimes they're pretty similar, will meld together uh, and form a new version of the story. Uh, One of the first talks I gave, and actually one of the first podcasts I did with my a former podcasting partner, was about the local white lady ghost, you know, the white lady of Wapsie. Uh, and then I tied it into the leg- legends of white ladies. I mean, good heavens, we've got like eight of them in a 50-mile radius around Altoona. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> so, yeah that's, um, that, that's the kind of thing I get into. And uh, like I said, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about werewolves with a friend of mine who's a criminologist and teacher as a teacher and he's really interested in some of the aspects of you know these legends they have certain themes that run through them and uh that's what fascinates me so what's my favorite one my favorite one to talk about i think is the new jersey devil oh okay pine barrens new jersey devil yeah the have you ever been to the through the pine barrens i have not when i was in another life a museum curator I uh, had the opportunity to go pick up some artwork for a wildlife exhibition from a guy named John Schoenhaar. He was a illustrator, did paperback books. He actually did the covers for the first edition of Dune when it was published in paperback. So okay. he's a really cool guy. And he lived in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. And the story I like to tell is it's really easy to get lost, especially when you're back in the woods, you know, it's like going up to Blue Knob and trying to find a side road, you know, that sort of thing. And on the way through there, I went past this house that was basically a shack, and it was slightly before Easter. And you know those plastic inflatable Easter bunnies that they have that are all kinds of pastel colors? Yeah. This guy had about 20 of them, but he had really heavy rope that he tied them to the trees with. Oh, my God. <laughs> and this was long before, like, the Blair Witch Project and all that kind of stuff. It was the creepiest damn thing I've ever seen. 
<laughs> this guy literally had, you know, like, like a Vlad the Impaler yard with Easter. Oh, my. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that's my favorite. And um, uh, mainly because it involves, believe it or not, in its origins, a feud between two printers of almanacs. Okay. And the one printer is, of course, the most satanic and diabolical member of the Founding Fathers, Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, anyway, um, yeah, he had a feud with a printer in New Jersey who had no sense of humor, and Franklin just trounced him. He actually put his printed an autopsy in poor Richard's almanac for this poor guy. <laughs> and he took the bait and kept complaining that I'm not dead. I'm not dead. <laughs> and Franklin kept, would just publish letters saying, well, you know, obviously he's communicating from, you know, beyond, from the afterlife <laughs> and that sort of thing. So the poor guy in, in New Jersey went out of, out of business and Franklin took over the almanac publishing for the Northeast in the colonies. And that kind of died out until uh, P.T. Barnum started opening dime museums, you know, where you go in and see, like, the Fiji Mermaid and the World's Smallest Man and stuff. A guy in Philadelphia did that, too. He opened a dime museum, and he was looking for something really weird to be the thing to bring people in. And he found this story of this cursed family uh, in New Jersey, and he elaborated it and created the legend of the New Jersey devil to publicize his dime museum, and it stuck. (laughs) And now, oh, Napoleon III, who was, you know, just a great guy, uh, (laughs) uh, he, he actually was buying weaponry to, you know, to put down the, 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 the peasants, or not the peasants, but the working class people in Paris, like in Les Miserables, you know, <laughs> shooting them down in the streets. So he's buying weapons off the United States, and he was in New Jersey, and he claimed to have seen it and fired shots at it. Okay. So, yeah. you know, it's got to be true, right? Like you and do, people, yeah. And people, people see it to this day as part of pop culture now. It's been in the X-Files, and it's been in movies. And, you know, more importantly, sports teams are named the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We haven't touched on that one yet over here. Uh, we may with a cryptid, like some maybe some type of, uh, you know, United States mm-hmm. cryptid roundup or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love cryptids. <laughs> I'm actually in my spare time attempting to illustrate a children's book of cryptids. There you go. It's like an ABCD EFG book. Yeah. Yeah, just scare yeah. the children. That's that's yeah. great. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm trying not to make them lovable. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, they're monsters. Yeah. What, the, and, the cryptids or the children? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on because I All know right. there's going to be a lot to unpack here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we all are, of reality, as a matter of fact. All of reality, yeah, exactly. So we are going to talk about Discordianism. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Discordianism is a religion, a pseudo-religion, a philosophy, 
a practical joke, a satire, and sadly, it's where a lot of us live these days. <laughs> Even the wiki page says it's a it's a paradigm. Yeah, it's it is it be, it became one sadly, and I'll, I'm going to tell you the story of how that happened. So the first thing I want to do is I want to take you back in time. Let's see here, 1938, and a uh, Swiss uh, chemist was working for a pharmace pharmaceutical company. And um, I don't know if you know much about how early psychiatrists would prescribe drugs for their patients, but Sigmund Freud got himself in a lot of trouble um, supply, uh, prescribing cocaine to his patients. Especially yeah, when they, that's where the when they started do, killing themselves. Do cocaine about it. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah, where it comes from. This will fix up your... Um, yeah, yeah, all your all your neuroses. Yes. Um, so in 1938, um, this Dr. Hoffman was looking for, he was experimenting with a naturally occurring substance, which was the ergot fungus that grows on rye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and, this whole Salem witch trial thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Causes, it causes a thing that, they, the old, in the old days, they used to call St. Anthony's fire. Okay. Because people would feel a burning in their extremities, and they would hallucinate. And one of the side effects, sadly, of this stuff is people, if they weren't treated, uh, because back then, of course, you acted weird. You were possessed by the devil, so everybody, <laughs> devil. if they <laughs> didn't burn you at the stake or yeah. hang you, they were avoiding you like the plague. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, one of the things that happens is this shuts down the, the um, circulation in the capillaries. Okay. So people develop gangrene in their extremities, and it Ooh, kills them. That's not so good. It's, it's a serious, serious problem. But because of the psychoactive part of this fungus, he was experimenting with different derivatives. And on the 25th try, he hit pay dirt. And that was the day he discovered LSD-25. Okay. Okay. We're on board. So, okay, we're on board. Okay, you've heard of that. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. heard of that one. So, because this is science, scientists began to look at these new pharmaceuticals and these new chemicals and see what you can do with them. Now, Hoffman had, taken, had dosed himself, got on his bicycle and rode home, got into his house and laid in a fetal position Tripping balls for 48 hours. I, I have heard that story before, yeah. So, um, needless to say, it's pretty powerful stuff because he just took a tiny speck of it. Yeah. So, meanwhile, a group of psychologists and psychiatrists who were associated with Harvard University uh, 10 years after, or about 20 years after this, shortly after the World War II ended, started looking into the substance saying, hmm, what could we do with this? Hmm, can we use it to, you know, cure people from addictive behaviors like alcoholism and smoking and drug addictions and stuff like that? Yeah. And one of those guys um, was named Timothy Leary. Okay. And okay. Timothy Leary and his associate, Richard Alpert, began first experimenting with more mildly psychoactive substances like, for example, mescaline, 
and uh, peyote mushrooms and things like that. But then when they got a hold of some LSD, that was, you know, that was the gold standard. So they <laughs> yeah, started experimenting with sh- that. That's good shit. That's the good shit. Yeah. So <laughs> Larry suddenly went from being a research scientist slowly but surely to becoming a countercultural advocate. Okay. Okay. So he, he came up with the idea that you should turn on, tune in, and drop out. And he began this proselytizing as this pop culture figure to first the beatniks in the 50s and then eventually the hippies in the 60s that uh, you could rewire your brain, you could drop out of the paradigm that, you know, is imposed on us, you know, this great American dream and everything like that, and create a counterculture that would challenge the culture that's invested in things like capitalism and war and a lot of things that people saw perhaps in a negative way because yeah. they're, ex- because they're exclusionary. So um, at, by the time Timothy was traveling around the country, advocating all of this, um, he um, ended up being arrested Multiple times, I think 58 times or something like that. <laughs> this is multi- more than multiple. That's a bit, that's a bit much. No, no less person than that saged, um, you know, champion of justice, Richard Nixon, <laughs> called him the most evil person in America. <laughs> so, what does this have to do with Discordianism? Well, first off, Discordianism came about in the early 1960s. And it was the product of two friends. They were childhood buddies. Their names were Greg Hill and Carrie Wendell Thornley. Now, Greg Hill's an interesting guy. um, But, and while he contributed to this and was sort of one of the pranksters involved in this, Thornley is the really interesting guy. So we'll talk more about him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But first definitely. off, what they were doing was they wanted to create within this whole countercultural idea a philosophy that was sort of made fun of philosophy and a religion <laughs> that sort of made fun of religion. Okay. Yeah. And that would allow them to more or less take on false personas, do whatever the hell they wanted to, and spread discord. So, first off, the Discordians. The, the, to, hey, the, the pseudonyms for these two, I don't know if you get in touch on that. But oh, they're yeah, just, yeah. They're absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. Continue. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's quite all right. Um, first off, um, they worked under the names of Malaclips the Younger <laughs> and Omar Cayenne Ravenhurst. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they... <laughs> They lifted absurdities from every sort of absurd thing you could find from anywhere from certain schools of Zen Buddhism to the writings of Lewis Carroll, you know, which also influenced John John Lennon and his songwriting and his lyrics and stuff like that. So they um, started putting together this whole philosophy. So first off, they uh, worshiped the goddess Eris who is the goddess of discord, okay? Yeah, yeah. And she has a sister who is the principal of order, 
So, but together they form the deeper meaning of chaos. <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, they wanted to poke fun at major religions. So anyone who talks about this or studies it in any way, shape, or form is a pope within yes. the religion. Yes, so, yes. congratulations, uh, Pope Jay. Um, yes, yes. You, you need to come up with a pseudonym, but yeah, no, hey, I, Pope I, Jay I and Pope Mike, yeah. we're having a great conversation here. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that they encouraged people to do was to use ways to generate text that was similar to automatic writing. So, some people would cut up parts of sentences and stuff like that, throw them in a hat and then pull out, pull them out at random and make sentences that way. Okay. Later on, when computers came along, they came up with the first random statement generators. The first, okay. it's not AI, but yeah. yeah, you could, yeah. Or even if you just like when you're on your phone on Facebook or something like that, you, um, uh, use the first suggestion that pops up with every word you type as the next word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It creates some fascinating stuff. So oh, definitely. Anyway, they started this thing and it was spreading through the underground. So people were finding it and were saying, oh, this is very funny. Uh, it inspired other religions. There is one um, uh, where they worship Bob, it's the um, it's Bob. the re, re, religion of the subgenius. Okay, and there's, their their motto is "There's a little subgenius in all of us." <laughs> it started up in Seattle. Ah, uh, so, this almost sounds cultish. You know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, but as an anti-cult, it's a cult that's an anti-cult. It's, it's a cult, but it's it, yeah. Does, isn't that what cults say though? It's a yeah. It's they not all a, say that it's not a cult. No, <laughs> no. Join us. It's not a cult. And, and you know, they also say religions are just cults with more members. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. Also, so anyway, um, yeah, uh, they they would speak to the goddess Eris through their pineal gland, you know, that one up here in your forehead, which some people in the East consider your third eye. That is, that's where you awaken from, you know? So yes. they're borrowing stuff from Buddhism and from Hinduism and every place else, pop culture and everything else and mashing it together into one lump. Yeah. <laughs> which what? they, published under the name the Principalia Discordia. So there's several editions of it. Each one is slightly different. They keep changing it um, <laughs> to, just to keep the randomness going, okay? Yeah. So um, you, can, you can also find online, you can find cards. So uh, that will, you know, make it, so you can show people that you're a member, you're a Discordian. Well, now I can get one, And then one, you're right? a pope. Yeah, yeah you, can, can, oh, yeah, you can find them online. Uh, oh, yes. And, you know, that you can prove that you're a pope. I mean, for example, one of the fake religions that in a way is a very benign version of this, uh, I'm sure you've seen the movie The Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have Jeff Bridges and is the dude. Yeah. Well, he, he became really good friends with a guy he was raised Jewish. His father was a baker in Queens, New York, and he eventually became a Zen Buddhist. 
Okay. Okay. And um, he started this really wonderful group. It's a group of uh, Zen Buddhists who every year visit, um, you know, sites where the Holocaust happened in Germany. And well, as to try to purify it, you know, for all people, they're very serious. The other thing this guy did is he went into prisons and he would find, he would run, run Zen meditation seminars in prisons to help guys who were, you know, in trouble find themselves and, you know, straight, get straight. And he would find the best candidates, bring them out teach them to become bakers. He owned a bakery. They would work in his bakery and then he would set them up so that they could go back to their neighborhoods and start a, a fresh bread bakery in their own neighborhoods. So Jeff Bridges and him hooked up and created the religion of dudeism <laughs> because he was fascinated by Jeff Bridges character who was so random. Yeah. And so nonplussed, but or just totally <laughs> immune to being affected by anything around him. You know, like, hey, man, that's just your opinion. You know? <laughs> it's just uh, your opinion. Yeah. And so you can go online and you can become a Dudist priest. <laughs> and I encourage everyone to do that because, yeah, they, they have a little thing you can download and everything like that. So there's a whole bunch of these things that spun off of this idea. They're, they're all pretty benevolent. But yeah. the Scordianism has also had some really negative things go on. So yeah. what I want, well, like so, most 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 things do, you know, any right. religion or or following or cult, you know, cults are more of the the bigger ones where you look at some of the ones that um, really go off the rails. You know, you look at your mm-hmm. Jonestown and your uh, oh yeah, Heaven's Gate oh, and uh, horrible. Waco horrible. and stuff like that. Y- yeah, you're gonna have. There's always seems to be some sort of negative effect. Even if it starts out to be something good, there's always something that happens bad. Yeah, yeah. So they had, like, several beliefs, but the key one is um, their belief that um, almost everything is good, including disorder, chaos. Chaos is the natural state of things. And to believe that, Order is good and chaos is bad to them is a violation of everything that is important in the universe. Um, so basically almost everything you can bring to this is true and yet can be discarded at the same time. It's a, once again, it's a little like Zen in that way. All right. Okay. So how did this, other than these two nut, nut jobs, how did this stuff get disseminated? Well, in order to do that, I want to talk to you about Carrie Thornley. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's um, Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst or simply Lord Omar. Yeah. And um, Carrie had, a, he also writes under the name of Ho Chi Zen. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if, if you, I mean, I guess if you get to pick your pen name, oh sure, I mean, you can be. And everybody you can, does, you, can you know. Be, but why? All right, I don't know why. Why pick something? I don't know. Maybe this because it, it was earlier and like, yeah. Uh, uh, why pick something so 
uh, on the nose and uh, hilarious at the same time. So here, here comes the weird, creepy stuff, all right? Okay. So Thornley was in the Marines. Yep. And he got stationed at an Eastern Marine base. Now, he didn't fit in very well because <laughs> he was an oddball. And yeah. he ran into another guy who was also an oddball, and they became bosom buddies. And they were talking about Discord, this this Discordian ideas and studying like Karl Marx and doing a whole bunch of stuff that was, I don't know whether it was just their interest or they was designed to piss off their commanding officers, but they were pretty good at, you know, both. And um, one of the interesting things that Thornley claims is that the CIA project, the CIA project that was going around secretly with the cooperation of the Pentagon, finding soldiers to dose with LSD, um, operated oh. at that. Oh, uh, MK Ultra. Oh, MK Ultra. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I drew a blank MK too. Ultra. I was thinking of something yeah. else. Yeah, but, yeah, it was MK. Yeah, I keep thinking. I go back and forth between MK Ultra and Project Majestic. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's the other one's one. One's UFOs thinking. and the other one's LSD. <laughs> yep. so. or maybe they both are. I don't know. But anyway, so Thornley claims he and his buddy were among the Marines who were dosed. and you know this project was pretty invasive. It's been covered up heavily and uh but they uh, in some cities especially in new orleans and in san francisco they actually took over houses of prostitution and paid prostitutes to dose their people their their clients with lsd because they had cameras installed in the room so they could record what happened to there uh yeah so mk ultra we actually just found out more about it within what the yeah. um the freedom of information act within yeah. the last couple of years or so yeah it's it's pretty horrible but wasn't like manson claiming he was part of Cla uh, manson was claiming he was part of it but his okay thornley's buddy who was the marine <laughs> lee harvey oswald never heard of him never heard of the guy yeah <laughs> never i never heard of the guy um so if you, if you want to be paranoid <laughs> Uh, and, you know, there's all those claims about the CIA um, killing Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Maybe inadvertently they did, if what Thornley says is true. However, yeah. Thornley wrote a thinly disguised book before the Kennedy assassination about his buddy, Oswald, and published it. So when the Warren Commission came along to... <laughs> get to the bottom of everything. <laughs> yeah. He was called in to testify as a possible co-conspirator. That's crazy that it, that, that tie in the Warren report. And he goes, like he goes in and like, what's he goes in and says like, Oh yeah, I had nothing to do with it. Like, yeah. is it like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm tripping right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah, the, the Lee Harvey Oswald tie in the actual book, um, the Idol Warriors, that's yeah, the book. Yeah, that's the book. So that has a man to tie to talk about tying like an entire like decade of incidents all together. Yeah. With two people. It's almost paranoid, isn't it? It's it's almost too it's almost too good. Yeah. You know? Well, it's gonna get better. <laughs> <laughs> because 
Um, the first places that Thornley distributed uh, the, the Principalia Discordia was in New Orleans. And now this is a legend. You asked me about legends before. This is definitely a legend. But the legend is that Thornley, it was one of the first what they call zines, you know, just hand-printed things that people hand out on the streets. Yeah. And um, it was run off on a mimeograph machine. I don't know if you remember mimeograph machines. They were no. old high things. You had to type on a stencil and put it on the machine and then turn a crank and it ran papers through and printed on the papers. It was really archaic. Okay. But, okay. but the but it's whose mimeograph machine? Supposedly, he found a way into the office of the district attorney for the city of New Orleans to run off these papers. Okay. Jim Jim Garrison. Jim Garrison? The attorney, uh, the district attorney from from uh, uh, Louis, from Louisiana, from uh, New Orleans, yeah. who ran the investigation into the corruption around the Kennedy assassination. And if you watch the movie JFK, Kevin Costner plays Jim Garrison. And okay. Jim Garrison is probably one of the great, uh, nut job cranks of uh, American jurisprudence, but he got a lot of attention and a lot of the hmm, what went on with the Kennedy uh, assassination came out of his investigations. Okay, and, so and, and and he went after people he didn't like. Basically, he went after oh this person's tied to the mafia and this person is, it has gay sex orgies at their house and I'm they're part, they're all connected and we're going to bring them all in and they're part of the conspiracy, you know? So the whole conspiracy thing came out of Jim Garrison's office. And ironically, whether it's true or not, our friend Carrie claimed to uh, have printed the first copies of the Principalia <laughs> on Jim Garrison's <laughs> mimeograph machine. Okay. Okay. Now, this stuff got distributed uh, here and there slowly over a couple of years. Meanwhile, the most with it place before the internet for people to vent and ask questions about politics and just about anything you could imagine was in the pages, the letters to the editor of one of the most popular magazines of the time. Playboy magazine. Okay. 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 So two guys uh, were who were up and coming authors. They were both writers of, and they were looking for a job. So they got this job with Playboy and they ran the letters to the editor page. All right. So uh, Robert Anton Wilson uh, is a guy who was the chief editor for the letters to the editor page and he and um his uh his his buddy uh who he who was became a co-writer with him author robert shea started getting all these letters these weird culty letters about this weird philosophy that's examining america's rotten underbelly subculture and everything <laughs> like that and they thought Ah, oh, this is some weird shit. We're going to publish this. <laughs> and so they started publishing letters from Discordians in the pages of Playboy magazine. 
And wow. that's how it got disseminated across the country. Yeah, that's a that's a quick way to distribute any kind of ideology, especially what in the sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that'd be the that'd be perfect perfect yeah. way because what what else were you doing with a Playboy but uh, reading the articles? Yeah, well, of course, that's all anyone ever did. Yeah, at least, exactly. At least that's what I told my mom. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're gonna stop here. And go to commercial for a brief word from our sponsor. Dewey Reese has a way with Dodger rookies or Sam Blood youngsters. Dewey, you do a lot of work with boys. Not work, Al. I like baseball and kids. I enjoy helping teenagers start right. Oh, that's around shaving age. Do you give them pointers on personal appearance, too? Yes. A boy has more self-respect when he's clean shaved. And now back to our show. So... Robert Anton Wilson is publishing all this stuff. And then he and his buddy um, decide to start writing. So Robert Anton Wilson was the better of the two as far as being a writer is concerned. And he's published a whole series of books uh, all in the, um, I, I call it the weird shitology category. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but, there's a whole history of these things um, where people take these random events and tie them into one another, okay? Uh, Timothy Leary, one of the things he talked about when he was talking about uh, the use of LSD and rewiring the mind was that you could create what he called reality tunnels so that you would live in your mind in a not a simulation, but a reality that you recognize as real, but maybe no one else would. Have you ever met somebody that seemed like they were living in a reality that wasn't quite uh, oh, yeah. ours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a profession, I'm an artist. <laughs> so, yeah, I've met lots of people. I know musicians. I know writers. I know actors. I know visual artists, you know, and there are... Some of them are the most practical and down-to-earth people you ever want to meet. And then some have some interesting, I'd say, psychological points of view. Um, well, and, I've was... known, and some were downright, um, you know, uh, schizophrenic. Well, that's an old-fashioned term, of yeah. course. But, yeah, they were um, bipolar, you know, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. But that was the that's the whole creative mind thing, right? Though, like, you look at some of the musicians and artists, uh, actors, any of them, over the sure. course of the years, uh, you know, they fight. They, they're the most creative people that you probably would ever meet, but they they fight their own demons in their own battles oh, yeah. by them constantly. And that's yeah. why I think, you know, you turn around and you look at some of them that... Um, that go to drug addiction or anything like that. And then mm -hmm. something happens to them, but they were the, like the most brilliant minds yeah. in a generation. But yeah. look, they were dead at 27, you know? Yeah. Because they have, there's something chemical or genetic that's happened during their, you know, their birth or, you know, their gestation or later on in life, you know, I can be hormonally driven. It can be, you know, actual brain damage. Um, there could be lots of things, but, you know, personalities will change. Perceptions change. Um, the the, the um, therapist, Sachs, uh, he's 
he died a couple of years ago. He wrote a couple of, a bunch of fascinating books uh, about how people with various types of brain damage. Uh, there's an old movie that has Robin Williams and Robert De Niro in it called Awakenings. Okay. Where Robin De Niro, or the uh, um, um, uh, Robin Williams character is actually Dr. Sachs. Oh, it's okay. one of the first things he discovered. Uh, how to bring people out of a out of a coma by using a, a, a drug that nobody thought would ever work, but oh, then okay. unfortunately they would lapse back. Oh, uh, hmm. but anyways, it started him. So he had he his books have fascinating titles. My favorite one is the man who thought his wife was a hat. <laughs> that this is Doctor Doctor Sachs. Yeah, Doctor Sachs. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend his books. They're wonderful. But yeah, that's how extreme. Some people's perceptual realities, the way their brains work. I, I, I want a, a guy I interviewed um, uh, the beginning of the year, who is a dear friend of mine. He's he's almost ninety years old. He's a psychiatrist named Joe Silverman. He's taught me this little mantra: "We're all doing the best we can with the brains we have." <laughs> yeah, that's, and you that's really good. so you really can't. You know, it's really hard when you think that to you know say, "Oh yeah." They're screwed up <laughs> because now they're, they're working with the brain they have. So anyway, back to Robert Anton Wilson, he and his writing partner, after he wrote, he wrote um, a series of books under the title, the cosmic trigger, which is about the coincidences in life, in his life, um, tragedies, triumphs and things like that. And it's full of deja vu and, strange coincidences that seem to be giving a message maybe okay. through the, through the pineal gland. I don't know, but you know, um, but they sat down and wrote a trilogy called the Illuminatus trilogy. Yeah. And um, basically they took every conspiracy known to man from the, from, you know, the, the Masons, the Bavarian Illuminati, you know, the, the uh, Order of the Golden Dawn, uh, Aleister Crowleyism, you know, all kinds of things like that. Tied it all together, you know, the hollow earth, the lizard people, it's all in there. Firing on all cylinders there. Every firing one on of them. all cylinders. Unfortunately, one of the things that's happened with this, if you look at what's going on now, it's almost a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So so let's let's just be practical for a minute. I know this is this has been wild and crazy to talk about, and you know, and obviously a lot of this was driven because you know people were getting pretty high. But <laughs> oh, yeah, the okay. But the bottom line is the idea of the reality tunnel is something we're coping with now every single day. Yeah, we okay. just came off of the. Well, we're not off of it yet. It's still mutating. But we just came off of the COVID crisis, and look at the anti-vax material. Which which ones? The the anti-vax like the well the, the the people who are saying well that vaccines cause autism that you can't get that, that these this is going to alter your DNA that uh, Bill Gates is putting microchips in the vaccines. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, and it has direct ties to another one, which is QAnon. Yeah. You know, that, you know, people like, well, me and my wife, who are of a more liberal 
orientation uh, might be kidnapping children. And we have a tunnel under our house where we go and worship Satan and then drink their blood so that we can get the adrenochrome out as, and as you can see by looking at me, it's really working because I look incredibly young for a 72, <laughs> for a 72 year old man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So there we are. And these I mean, people I, I, believe this stuff. I've, I've always put it like this. Uh, it's okay to be, it's okay to question stuff. You know, mm. it's okay to, you know, maybe not believe i mean if you can't believe that the government is just batting a thousand all the oh, time no i don't you believe that I mean? at all no 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 so i mean they i'm of the vietnam generation yeah. tell me about it so there i mean there are some there are things that um and we don't talk on the show we really like we really don't talk about a lot of like present current events sure. you know what i mean we I don't understand we understand. don't dive because it's it's such i don't want to i don't want to argue you know what i mean like oh, I yeah don't, sure i sure. don't i don't want somebody to just come back and be like well this is what happened and you know and i'm like has that i mean well okay it, i don't so, i don't like to i don't like to walk that line right. but the we can the go whole, back in the past we can, we can go, go in, back in the past we can go back to the 80s and 90s and the satanic panic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, uh, during that time period, I was a museum curator uh, at a little art museum on a college campus. And um, we would have presentations for uh, art teachers. You know, we'd bring them up and wine them and dine them. And how can we help you? Can we bring art into the schools and blah, blah, blah. I was sitting next to this one guy. He was a local fellow. I said, so what, what kind of problems do you have? And do you have any issues that we can help you with? He said, well, the biggest problem I have now is in reviewing student portfolios. Okay. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I said. I said, okay. Uh, <laughs> what's, what are you reviewing them for? He said, the color red. I said, the color red? He said, yeah, if the kids use too much red, it may mean they're into Satanism, and I can't let that go out in their portfolios. Oh my Fortunately, goodness. I had already swallowed my wine that I was drinking, so it didn't come <laughs> out my nose. But I mean, if people if people don't know what the Satanic Panic was about, it was about heavy metal music. It was about the first role play one of the first role playing games, which is of course Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. And these two forces were leading kids to become Satanists. Well, here here's one of the big things from this, and this yeah. is not this is like in the in the nine in ninety three. Okay, yeah. we we talked about this um a while back, but the the West Memphis Three. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm very familiar with them. So the, you know, murders occurred in ninety three. Three boys, as Stephen Branch and Michael Moore and Christopher Byers, were right. missing, and then the local town cops just this. You know, Damien Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly, and um, Jason Baldwin, they were the, the you know, uh, heavy metal listening punk rock sure. kids, that loner kids that were, and they, they got arrested for it with yeah. absolutely no evidence, forensic evidence, showing right. that they were even there. Right. So that, that uh, yeah, that, that whole, that is, uh, that is a factual thing, this yeah. satanic, you know, panic that these kids were 
worshiping Satan and doing these rituals and, you know, yeah. slaughtering goats. And yeah, they, they did all of that. But what you had was um, a combination of pop psychologists and unfortunately uh, evangelical preachers who grabbed onto this because it was a money-making thing. And the, the, the psychologists were going across country talking to police departments, criminology people, uh, pumping them full of this stuff so that they were, they, that's what they were all looking for. You know, yeah. if, 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 you know, it's that old saying, you know, if the only tool you have is a hammer, pretty soon everything looks like a nail <laughs> or, you know, and as that great line from Casablanca from the police chief, Round up the usual suspects, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you have these kids that you don't like. They're weird. They dress funny. Um, they're walking around drawing pentagrams on everything. They're the murderers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, there are real. there were really psychotic people previous to that operating. There was the Manson murders. Yep. There was the son of Sam. There was, was the... Yeah, what was his name? Uh, Berkowitz. The, the, oh, no, I was thinking of the, what is it, the, the Night Walker. Oh, the um, Night Stalker. Night yeah, Stalker. that was, uh, uh, what was his name? He was in L.A., but Berkowitz yeah. was in New York. Uh, but, yeah, there was all these weird things that were hard to, to solve. And Richard Ramirez. That's it. That's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the worst thing that happened was, you know, the poor people at the uh, preschool in California where they had a weird son and he wasn't satanic or anything, or he wasn't a goth type person. He worked as a janitor at his mother and grandmother's daycare center. Yeah. And, oh yeah. 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 I know. Yep. And that was the McMartin preschool. Yeah. Yeah. And Oh, that went on. That cost millions and millions of dollars. And that was actually driven by this woman who was a psychologist who had written a book pushing her idea of hypno-regression so that people would have encounter their past lives. And she was dating the district attorney for the area. So he brought her in on this case when all these parents started complaining that their kids were saying weird, weird stuff. Okay. Yeah. And uh, do you have kids? I do. Are they little or are they half grown? Uh, yeah. They're, they're, uh, tweens. Okay. Well, when they're <laughs> real little, you know, they will say some pretty weird things. <laughs> yeah. And when they're with their peers, that those things that they're saying get recycled and get stranger and stranger sometimes. And it's just a phase that the kids are going through. But they're not all being hypno-regressed to remember the satanic ritual in the tunnels underneath the school. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's fun. That's crazy <laughs> you bring that up. I do remember that reading something about that case at one point. Wasn't there some kind of coercion between the therapist and the kids? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was... yeah. She was uh, giving them enhanced interrogations. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. She was feeding them stuff. <laughs> and, you know, oh, and the, the best part was as this got more and more out of hand, the parents, a group of the parents were totally dissatisfied with law enforcement and even with the district attorney and everything. So they hired a backhoe and went in and dug up the lot next to the school. There were no tunnels. They found 
the remains of a dead turtle that someone had, a pet turtle someone had buried. And that was their evidence of satanic sacrifice. That's, so, that's out of hand. Yeah, but that's how this, this stuff works. Yeah. Fortunately. So, anyway, welcome to the wonderful world of Discordianism. <laughs> What, and, and maybe it's a good thing that people don't know about it. I don't know. Um, I, tend to, I tend to treat it like a lot of things, like a joke. Like I said, uh, you know, I'm an official Judas priest and, you know, things like that. And I'm very familiar, you know, with the uh, Church of the Subgenius and Bob, though uh, it it's not really a cult. You know, they put out things it's that exactly remind you. What a, it's exactly what a cult would say. Yeah, it's not a cult. They, yeah, it's not a cult. <laughs> but they put out little flyers that re, are sort of crosses between really primitive 50s uh, illustrations for advertisements and chick tracks. Are you familiar with chick tracks? No, I'm not. Uh, chick, chick tracks are those little comic books that you find in like men's rooms at truck stops and stuff that try to, you know, get you to give your give yourself over to Jesus. Okay. And, okay. And, and the, it, they cover the litany of the usual offenses. Let's put it that yeah. way. Okay. You're not manly enough to be a, a friend of Jesus, or you're too much of a sinner, or Adam and Eve, or evolution is taking you to hell, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I collect them. They're, I find them. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> okay. So I hope that was um, just as clear and as concise uh, uh, a discussion of Discordianism as we could possibly have. And I'll just say that everything we've just discussed is absolutely true, maybe. And <laughs> um, if you want to read something interesting, um, I would recommend picking up a book by Robert Anton Wilson, if you can find them. They're very, very good. Um, another part of his circle was the um, science fiction writer Philip Dick, uh, who wrote a lot of his sci-fi books about, you know, they all end with a twist. You know, the reality that you've been experiencing turns out to be not the reality. You know, he his the movies based on his book were, you know, um, Total Recall and um, uh, Blade Runner and um, things like that, where okay. you, you end up questioning your reality. You know, the, the great question from Blade Runner was, is Deckard a person or is he actually a replicant? You know, uh, so, go ahead. Questioning reality. You'll have to ask yes. you. One of my favorite things that question reality is, um, is Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. Do you Rick watch and Morty's the, great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just said uh, that's, that's always one of those things that like, it always makes me think of, um, alternate reality or, mm -hmm. you know, different, uh, different, not timelines, but yeah, I, I love Rick and Morty. I, I think it's yeah. great. If if you want to see a truly amazing, amusing and amazing movie um, that has elements of Discordianism and alternate realities galore, um, watch everything all at once. Everything all at once? Yeah. Hmm. It, it won, it's won the Oscar for Best Picture this year. Oh, I know, it's everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. I think I did. Is that with, uh, who was the actor in that? 
Oh, um, the the guy he he had a career comeback. He was um he was in the Indiana Jones movie, uh, uh Temple. Oh. Yeah, he's the, yeah. yeah. And, and he, he was in the Goonies, the... and he was in the yeah. Goonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he plays the the main character's husband. Um, okay, or variations depending on what reality they're in of her husband. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, it keeps. Uh, what is it? Um, no. No. I think, he, I think he's Vietnamese. Yeah. Yeah. Ki Hu Wan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, he was uh, short round. And, Turn uh, around. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I meant to watch it. Even I had another buddy from another podcast saying about uh, about watching this, so I'm going to have yeah, to. Yeah, it's uh, a great movie. It's a great movie. It's it's trippy. Uh, it kind of has a lot of the underlying philosophy is very similar to, you know, Project Mindfuck. You know, because, because, <laughs> we didn't touch on that yet. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Well, well. That was the ongoing project of um, uh, of uh, the Discordians, anyway. Um, and, um, you know, everything we talked about sort of circles around that. So, yeah, yeah uh, it's still ongoing. <laughs> I, I like the, I like it has how a they, life of its own. <laughs> I like how they worded this, too, the so the culture with paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Here oh, we my are. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, it's strange enough to be strange, but you also see some of the things that, like, I don't know, that as a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist that I can see points in, too, like the Lee Harvey, sure. Harvey Oswald thing. If it's true that he knew him and he wrote the book and he knew, yeah. and, you know, all that same time, because I've said this before on, on the show, is that is right at the uh, jumping off point of true, true conspiracy in the United States. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, because after that, you started. Yeah, you started getting into the the moon landing and the MK Ultra stuff, and yeah. you know, going forward, and uh, that is the 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 Kennedy assassination and how it went down was the was the jumping up because I think we had more trust in the government as we we're coming out of world war two into, mm -hmm. um, into the fifties. I mean, life was good in the United States in the fifties and we were, sure. you, you know, make everybody had a job and everybody was having kids and, you know, it was like this golden era. And from like the sixties, like 63 on, or what was it? Um, 67, yeah, 67 was the mm -hmm. Kennedy thing? No, no, 63. Oh, was you mean the investigation? No, the assassination. Was it 63? 63, yeah. Okay. So, but from that going on, I mean, it's just, it, it just seems weirder and weirder the more that you find out about stuff, especially, like, through the Freedom of Information Act, now that you can, if you actually know what document you're looking for and you submit a, a thing to the Freedom of Information, because they've been putting stuff out. They just put that, uh, what was it, about two months ago, they put that 90-page report yeah. on on Kennedy out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, this, this, um, I think it's, it sounds, it sounds weird enough to be weird and that the yeah. people are weird enough to, <laughs> that are involved in it. Yeah. But... Yeah. You also get that um, I kind of get it thing. Yeah. So so who was looking into Thornley? 
Howard Hunt. Who is Howard Hunt? Head of the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, co-conspirator on Watergate. That's another one. Uh, involved with the Bay of Pigs invasion. Uh, it, it just goes on and on and on, you know. So some people think Howard, we know who Deep Throat actually was. But for a while, people thought Howard Hunt was Deep Throat, too. Um, yeah, he's an <laughs> interesting guy, maybe a little scary, maybe very scary. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean. And, and, now we have, and now we have the Internet, and now we have social media access. Yeah. So that literally, and, and, the, and the issue is that all expertise goes out the window, you know. And so nobody, experts aren't respected anymore. And um, the the lady who lives down the street with 12 cats, I have three or two, so, you know, she's the weird one. But anyway, (laughs) the lady who lives down the street with the 10 cats, her opinion is just as good as, say, Neil deGrasse Tyson's or someone like that. And And if she has enough people who agree with her, um, the real expertise experts can just be drowned out by yeah. nonsense, you know, kind of like my podcast, just well, nonsense. <laughs> well, so is mine, you know, and, and, and it gets to be about everything. So, you know, we, yeah. we can be as nonsensical as we want to, but we do, we do do the deep dives and we do talk about some uncomfortable things from time to time. We're not just talking about white lady ghosts and werewolves and, things like that so yeah that's, yeah that's what i was saying earlier i mean we uh yeah we we stay people said people send me those topics all the time too they're like you should do vaccines and i'm like absolutely not <laughs> like, I'm not, yeah. it's like I, I can talk about other things and it can be light and you know well send them to me because i'll talk about them but i'll talk about them from a historical context yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like what's a vaccine how did it work? I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen, read the book, or seen the um, HBO uh, series that was made about uh, uh, from the book John Adams about John no. Adams. The no, I don't, think I, yeah. I don't think I have. Um, there's a scene where I forget where he's at. He's either in Washington or in Philadelphia, or maybe he's in France. It may have been when he was in France with his son, who hated him. And Benjamin Franklin, who he hated, uh, <laughs> because he thought he well, he thought Franklin was just a rake, and you know dr- he's drinking and eating too much and picking up every woman he could lay his hands on, and <laughs> it was unseemly for a diplomat, according yeah. to Adams. But meanwhile, back in New England, Abigail is dealing with an outbreak of smallpox. And there's a doctor who comes around with a cart and he's inoculating people. Okay. So he's taking, he has in the cart, there's a boy who's dying of smallpox and he's piercing his blisters and putting a tiny bit of it onto uh, a needle that looks almost like a comb and then going in and jabbing people with that so that they will create get a superficial infection of smallpox that they can fight off. 
Okay. And thus, you know, there's a chance, there's like a 70% chance they'll survive the inoculation. And that was the beginning of it. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So there's there's a history. That was before we understood germ theory. I mean, germ theory is new. You know, germ theory didn't come along until like the late 1800s, early early 1900s. So, yeah, we're still early in the game here. Yeah. Well, that's what uh, even you were saying about, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers and, you know, stuff like that. That seed was sown way before the whole <laughs> COVID vaccine. Oh you yeah, know, you, you had you had celebrities out there saying that uh, you know the, the the Hep C vaccine or the Hep B vaccine or whatever was causing autism in their children. Right, and people were like, these people had millions of followers on social media, so yeah. everybody was just on board with it. You know, in, and it's in, weird that it's a different spectrum this time around, yeah. like politically. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. but we politicize everything now in this country of course. to our to our to our detriment, you know. Yeah. Um. But you know, in 1918, there were meetings in major cities of the anti-mask leagues that were springing up, protesting the government telling people to wear masks in public to help prevent the Spanish flu. Yes, I did see that. So, you know, everything old is new again. <laughs> yeah. The Spanish flu also killed like 100 million people or something like that. So. A whole bunch. Yeah. yeah a whole, whole bunch. bunch. Bunches whole and bunch. bunches. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a, I just saw a thing recently that they're trying to see since the Spanish flu didn't really act like traditional influenzas. Yeah. And they're trying to find some sort of tissue samples that are still might be preserved to test it genetically. Yeah. But some did, people are saying they think it might be an early form of COVID. I did see that. I thought that they f- were talking about um, the, the Eskimo tribes that had the Spanish flu. Yeah. Because they were buried in a, in a frost. Yeah. And that's, that is one place that they were, would be able to find Mm-hmm. Still surviving tissue that was frozen yeah. under a temperature that would sustain the the the, the virus. virus. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's uh, of course, unfortunately, the permafrost is melting like crazy. Uh, but you know, we always find ways to kind of screw ourselves. Well, that's because <laughs> the Earth's flat. You know, yeah. that's just well, a ring. That, that's just the ring around the, you know, the flat earth. I mean, we'll, there's there's water on the other side of the, the ring. So, yeah, well, we'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be okay. <laughs> I, I, I want a reality show. I want a reality show where they fund an expedition by the group of flat earthers to go to the ice ring at the edge of the world and look over the edge. Yeah. Uh, I would very much like that. Um, hey, I, I'd watch it. There was um, a, um, well, it was almost like a reality game show where they had two groups of people. One was a group of hunters and the other was a group of photographers and they were out squatching, looking for Sasquatch. Squatching. And they had um, a woman who was basically a science educator and a guy who was a genetics lab worker. And they were trying to teach these guys how to go about collecting samples, recording observations, 
and things like that. And and I, I listened to the woman talk on a on a, a podcast, and she said that um, the easiest group to train were the photographers because photography is kind of a technical thing anyway, and their minds work that way. So when you tell them how not to contaminate a sample that they want to bring back or how to make sure that their photograph actually shows what they think it shows and things like that, they were, they were easy. The hunters were the hard guys because <laughs> they had much stronger preconceptions. Okay. And her best, she said the best thing was one night around the campfire, there's this real young guy, very cocky. And he claimed that he had been somewhere out in the woods and he had seen something and shot it. And it was a female Sasquatch and he had killed it and it had a baby and he couldn't leave it. The, the baby there with, you know, so he shot the baby so it wouldn't starve to death. Oh, and she okay. said, um, she said, well, what did you think you shot? And he said, well, some sort of, you know, subhuman, you know, some sort of quasi-human creature, you know. Yeah. And she, she looked at him and she said, no, there's no such thing as a quasi-human creature. There are apes, and, they're, and we're apes, basically, but we're human beings. So if you shot something that reminds you of a human being, we have a word for that, and that's murder. <laughs> she said after that conversation, the guy never spoke oh for the rest of the show. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, this is this has been fun. Yeah, it has been. It's a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything. A little bit of uh, religion type and conspiracies thrown in with some uh, some other uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. All good stuff. And it's it's just more shameless plugs from me because it is the podcast about everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead and give them, give them okay. your elevator pitch on the show, where they can find you, where oh, they can your social. We're on most podcast pl platforms. We're on Apple and um, Anchor and a bunch of other ones. And uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on, you know, the Doom site, Twitter. Uh, we're on Mastodon and a few other sites like that. Uh, and we, like I said, we have a Facebook page. Uh, where we, where I post all kinds of strange and interesting things that I find strange and interesting, but who knows if anybody else that, that I've had a good run with e weird Easter bunny pictures. Uh, <laughs> nice. so, so anyway, uh, that's where you can find us. Um, and I told you what's coming up. Um, so um, that's it. And all I can say is to your listeners and to mine, Hey, tune in and be excellent to each other. <laughs> exactly. If you look, if you're looking for more from us over here, at Project Skeptic, you can go to our Facebook page, Project Skeptic on Facebook. We also have a Instagram, Project Skeptic on Instagram. We have um, we have a website, ProjectSkeptic.com, that has the links to all the other stuff that you wanted to find. And we also have a Discord chat. If you're down with the Discord, that's where we do some of our uh, brainstorming. All the hosts are in there with us on the Discord chat. And that's pretty much everything. If you can't, if you can't find it at ProjectSkeptic.com, we probably don't have it. Michael. Yes. Thank you 
this is this has been excellent and i i'm glad we uh you know what? The thing is, too, is we will most likely do this again on another format. You know, cool. maybe maybe, um, maybe your show, maybe whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, we'll, we can figure something else out, too, because this, Easy has peasy, been, yeah. this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, if there's something that you want to talk about that that is burning deep in your soul that <laughs> you can't talk about on your show, come over to mine. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Or you can wear a disguise and we'll disguise your voice, you know, or something like that. I'll, I'll put my tinfoil hat on and come over for uh, a little bit. <laughs> I will, I will, you know, you see behind me the, the my logo. Uh, I actually have one of those hats. The colanders with the. Yeah, that lights up and I can wear it. So, yeah, it's, um, we can do that. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, with that, I guess we'll uh, we'll take off for the evening. So um, thank you for hanging out with us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Later. Hi, I thought it'd be appropriate to add an addendum onto our show. We've talked about a lot of people and I thought it might be interesting to let you know what happened to them. First of all, Dr. Albert Hoffman, the discoverer of LSD, died in 2008 of a heart attack. He lived to be 102 years old. Timothy Leary died of inoperable prostate cancer in 1996. He was a member of the Church of the Subgenius, and his final words were recorded as, why? Why not? Greg Hill went on to design computer games and died of lung cancer in the year 2000. Carrie Wendell Thornley had mental and physical problems for most of the rest of his life. He died of a heart attack in 1998. He was cremated and his ashes were scattered as part of a Buddhist remembrance ceremony. Robert Shea continued to write and receive uh, several literary awards, and he finally died in 1994. And last but not least, Robert Anton Wilson died in January 11th, 2007. We want to thank you for listening to the podcast about everything. It's our ambition to continue to engage with people from all walks of life and to engage with them on a variety of subjects. The podcast about everything can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook at the podcast about everything and on Twitter at the podcast about three. Be sure and hit those like buttons and subscribe buttons. Our theme music is Electronic Rock King Around Here by Alex Grohl, courtesy of our friends at Pixabay. Pixabay is a great place for royalty-free music, sound effects, and photography. That's all for now. See you next time on the podcast about everything.